You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chicago Bears' loss to the Green Bay Packers was a learning opportunity and generally key for the development of some of the team's most critical young players. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you're subscribed to the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today and every day. We're here for you five days a week. On the show today, we're, we're going back through some of the Bears' loss to the Packers with the help of Matt Nagy and actually cornerback Jalen Johnson. We'll hear from both of them on what the Packers were doing with Devontae Adams. And, and actually, there's a, a weird sort of disconnect between what the player said and what the coach said. We'll get to that a little bit later on. We've got to start early on with, with Justin Fields and what Nagy saw from his quarterback and some of the things then we saw also from Fields and where, where Fields did well and what, what the team could have done a little better to maybe help him more in this matchup with the Packers. We'll also touch on the offensive line situation with Tevin Jenkins filling in for Jason Peters and to be determined how long that will remain, depending on it's the length of Peter's injury, will be kind of the uh, the sole determining factor there. But we'll kind of we'll take a closer look at how the offensive line played as a whole and, and where the evaluation of Tevin Jenkins fits into all of that. And I think we need to start still with with the quarterbacks and especially the quarterback for the Chicago Bears playing a, a you know a game. You know, yesterday I was careful because I wanted to I wanted to make clear that like you know there were there were some real concerns with Fields performances in parts of that game, but not like the whole thing overall. And I've been trying to balance that, I think, here in the podcast that like, you know, when when the Bears offense has played poorly, and especially earlier on in Fields' development here, like I, I've been trying to stay on top of like, hey, even when the when the stat sheet doesn't look great, here's where Fields has been playing well. And sometimes in a game like this where they score a lot of points, I want to make sure that, hey, like we're not we're not glossing over where Fields has struggled, and so there's there's some balancing to that, I think, as we as we try and evaluate this quarterback throughout the for, throughout his rookie season and figure out sort of where things stand with him and, and how they can sort of continue to develop and, and build things around him in the future. But I, I thought there were there was still progress in this Packers game, and I didn't want yesterday's podcast to be like a hey, Fields was bad and that's a concern. It was just more of like a hey, like. There were some throws in that game that were worse than some throws we had seen from Fields earlier in the season, but that doesn't mean there weren't positives to take away from it. And I thought Matt Nagy did a pretty good job of, of outlining a specific area in which there was some real growth from Fields that's, I think, particularly important for him compared to what we saw earlier in the season in his first few starts. You talked about just moving around in the pocket yeah. in the second half there. And is that the big thing that you take away that that projects well into the future. Yeah. So when you look at his performance, what is that? That one thing, if you one. So th- that part of his game, when he stays within the progressions, and then ex- and then the second part of that, using his legs, and then being smart the third part, not taking extra hits, knowing when to get up and out, um, that's that's going to be a big-time growth for him. So when you when he has that, and defensive coordinators know that, that that's scary. 
you know, that's scary because he can make some special throws. He does it. He's proved it. Um, he's proven it. But now when you throw that element of uh, using his legs on extended plays, that's, that's hard. That's hard. It's going to be a, a big weapon for him. There's a specific part of Fields using his legs, though, there, right? Let's, let's make that clear from the, from the front. It's not, oh, well, yes, he can scramble, and that's dangerous. So, of course, like we, we know he's a dynamic athlete at the quarterback position, but it's, it's extending plays, as Matt Nagy said, like within the progression. It's st- knowing how to hang in the pocket a little bit longer without necessarily taking the unnecessary sack, you know, without you hanging in the pocket as long as possible without it being detrimental, you know, and that's where quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, some of these other great mobile quarterbacks, like they extend plays, but not just extend plays by scrambling past the line of scrimmage and getting easy yards by running, but like holding onto the ball extra long, but not holding onto the ball longer in a way that's then detrimental, right? There's a balance there between like quarterback who holds onto the ball too long and quarterback who holds onto the ball long enough that the defense has to stay in coverage longer than they can. And the quarterback is then able to find something that gets open because you can't just expect defenders in coverage to properly cover for five, six, seven seconds into a play, right? Typically you get about four is, is what you would expect the, the most before like it's going to be, you know, coverage is going to start breaking down. So, you know, when Fields is able to hang in the pocket a little bit longer on some plays, which there weren't very many against the Packers because the offensive line did not play particularly well. We will get in the offensive line in just a moment here, but like being able to extend plays as a passer, as, as opposed to extending plays as a runner. And we're seeing Fields get better at that. And that was one of the areas when in Fields' first couple of starts, having just transitioned from Andy Dalton to Fields, where the contrast was so stark. Because one of Dalton's strengths legitimately is his pocket presence. His ability to feel pressure, keep his eyes downfield, step up and step around pressure without having to drop the eyes and tuck the ball and scramble, but be able to kind of naturally feel that and not that Justin has all of a sudden mastered that in his first start back from the rib injury but we are seeing progress in that area in terms of footwork in terms of feeling it in terms of like not just tucking and running easily not that he was doing that all the time but there were plays where he'd go one read and then run and maybe he was being coached to do that maybe he wasn't but it seems like we're getting more of like a a one two three then run type of progression that seems like he's getting to that healthy balance that as Nagy was saying like is very difficult for defensive coordinators to stop, right? When, when the quarterback can extend plays longer than you can cover, if your pass rush isn't able to get home on that, or Fields is able to make two guys miss like we saw against the Packers. There were a couple plays there where, like, pass rusher's bearing in, he makes one miss, makes two miss, and then still looking downfield. And maybe he ends up scrambling, maybe he ends up throwing. As we saw kind of both examples in the Packers game, but, like, that is incredibly difficult for defenses to stop and it's incredibly difficult for quarterbacks to do and the fact that Fields is getting better at being able to do that at this stage of his rookie season is a very encouraging sign for your Chicago Bears the next step is getting a better offensive line and a better system in general around him but we'll check in on some of those offensive line struggles how much of that falls on your rookie left tackle and how much of it doesn't next on Locked On Bears you listen to podcasts like Locked On Bears for the power of knowledge You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost Mobile, you get the power of a free 5G cell phone so you can listen to all the latest episodes of Locked On Bears. 
The power of three unlimited data lines for $30 a month per line. So your family can harness all that brain power too. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks. So you can do all of that. Listen to the podcast and everything else at the speed of 5G. That's three unlimited data lines, I should say. With all the money you'll save and all the knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G phone when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile. Free phone is limited to new customers and one per line, and additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage are not available everywhere and for all phones or networks, but you can check out BoostMobile.com for all the details. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles is less than 100 days away, just a couple of months now. And, and the official hospitality partner of the NFL is on location. They are the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Not only do you get to go to the game, and it actually on location lets you choose your exact seats. So you're not just, you know, you're not guaranteed to just be in some nosebleeds up there. I mean, it's still the Super Bowl, right? Of course, it's super cool to go. But like, you get to pick your seats with on location, but then they package that with uh, your choice of really a variety of elite experiences. They've got exclusive pregame celebration with at real NFL legends, like retired Hall of Fame caliber players that you can hang out with before the Super Bowl. I mean, you, you can't beat that. Plus, five-star Los Angeles hotels and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. It's really some incredible things they're offering over at On Location. Visit their website. It's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information. Or you can just search the words Super Bowl on location. They'll take you right to the site. It's on location exp, like the word experience, on location exp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. The Chicago Bears offensive line was not what they necessarily needed it to be against the Green Bay Packers. It was, it, it regressed is what it felt like. And I don't, it definitely correlated with the loss of Jason Peters, but I think it goes beyond the loss of Jason Peters. And I think that's kind of the, the main point in the sense that like Tevin Jenkins, the rookie, did not play particularly well at left tackle. But the problem went quite a bit beyond Tevin Jenkins, that the rest of the offensive line was having trouble too with this Packers front seven. I mean, the pressure that was coming on Justin Fields was unreasonable. I was looking up the PFF numbers on quarterback dropbacks under pressure. Justin Fields, in week 14 against the Packers, was under pressure on 65% of his dropbacks in the game. Like, more than half of the time. And as I pull up the rest of the quarterbacks on Sunday's games, Justin Fields, the most pressured quarterback of any, team, of any quarterback in the NFL, 10% of his dropbacks higher than second place was Taylor Heineke at 54%. And they were the only two quarterbacks above 50%. It's pretty rare that you see many quarterbacks above 50% of their dropbacks under pressure. Justin Fields was at 65. It's almost two-thirds of his dropbacks under pressure in this game. And I can promise you they were not all coming from one offensive lineman at the left tackle spot, especially because Jenkins was playing pretty well early on in terms of of taking over at that spot. And definitely there was there was some trouble there, but the Bears were doing 
some things to try and help him out. And I think Nagy was sort of anticipating and prepared for some of the questions about, okay, like how much were you helping your offensive tackle, your rookie offensive tackle out there? And, and he was ready with at least the numbers on in terms of like the chips and the tight ends they were having over there to help with his offensive line. When you're going from an all-pro caliber left tackle to a rookie who hasn't played preseason, regular season yep. or otherwise, what types of things do you have to take into account going forward to make sure that you're doing things offensively that factor that in. Right. Yeah, you, you definitely want to help out as much as you can. Um, you know, and, and even with the, the 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 sack fumble, the strip sack, there was a, a chip on that, you know, on that play. Um, and throughout the game, I mean, we had 32 dropbacks, 16 of them had chips and slams. So 50% of the time we're chipping and slamming. Now, when you do that, you eliminate receivers or tight ends because you're 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 saying, "Okay, we're going to protect." So now, you, you know, you, you got to understand, we need to understand that, you know, everybody needs to understand that. And so there's a little risk reward when you do that, but you got to be able to help out that way. You got to be able to help out in the run game too, right? You can't be dropped back all the time. When you get behind, especially in the fourth quarter, and you have to throw the football more to catch back up, it eliminates some normal carries that you would have. And hence, you know, David getting that one carry, we'd like to have more. Uh, if Jason Peters is healthy from from Monday night's game, is he still the starting left tackle? Yeah, I mean, if if he's healthy, you know, for for him, I mean, you can see uh, what I've been saying that what he's done this entire year, helping us out and where he's at. At the same point in time with with Tevin, um, I do believe that yesterday for him was, although you know we had some holding penalties that he had. Uh, you know, a couple couple things here or there, which which can be significant. He he can learn and grow from that, and he's a, he's a strong-minded guy. And um, we'll work through all of the types of scenarios of what's best. You know, you got left side, you got right side, you got all different things that co- that come into it. So with Jason, we got to be able to uh, see where he's at, and then if he is not able to go, we'll get together as a staff and talk through what's best for us. I think it's perfectly justified that, that all the attention is on the left tackle spot, given the, the new player going in there, the rookie that we've been excited to see, and then the two sacks and the penalties that we did see against Tevin Jenkins. All of that totally fair, and you know, there's no there's not really a, a way to paint that that performance from him as anything but uh, troublesome. You know, I mean, not that that it's like this this referendum or verdict on what he's going to be as a NFL player or even his rookie season, but like. First game, rough, period. There's not, there's not really much way of a way to sugarcoat that. However, I do think it detracts some from what was really some rough games from other members of this offensive line that maybe are skirting by a little bit just in terms of like public perception and attention because we're, again, rightfully paying a lot of attention to the rookie, the rookie offensive tackle that we've been excited to see up to this point. But like you go back through that game, and I, you know, even just looking at the pro football focus numbers, I mean, yes, Tevin Jenkins gave up two sacks, five hurries, seven pressures, not good. However, Larry Borum on the right tackle spot gave up eight hurries. You know, I mean, again, not the two sacks. The two sacks are bigger and more important, and one of them was a strip sack. Like, of course, like, this is not like, hey, don't worry about Tevin Jenkins because everyone else was bad. No, it's more like, hey, Tevin Jenkins was bad. And so was the rest of the offensive line, and the problem is is a little bit bigger in a game like this. Uh, Cody Whitehair, one hit, six hurries. James Daniels, six hurries. I believe those are both season highs 
for both of those players as I double-check the numbers right now as I'm recording this podcast live. Season high for James Daniels, yes. Season high for Cody Whitehair, yes. So, like, both Cody Whitehair and James Daniels had essentially their worst games in pass protection so far this season against the Green Bay Packers. They'd both been playing fairly well this season. And so, like, it's not like a wave all the red flags offensive lines in trouble, but just, like, this was a bad offensive line performance across the board. And the the weird irony here is that the center, Sam Mustafer, has been the big weakness on this offensive line all season, and he had the fewest pressures and I think the best game, at least in terms of pass protection, among this entire Bears offensive line. He was credited, he was charged with two hurries compared to, again, six for Daniels, seven for Whitehair, seven for Jenkins, and eight for Larry Borum. It was... uh it was rough across the board, and you could argue, you could you could make some arguments here that maybe the center Sam Mustafer, in terms of calling out pass protection to, to pick things up, maybe could have done a better job in terms of the blocking schemes in that regard. But you look at what the Packers tried to do against Justin Fields; they blitzed him seven times out of forty-three plays. It was not a heavy blitz game. It was a lot of four-man rushes, and these guys were just losing one-on-ones to some good players: Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, all very good, but. It's kind of those three for the Packers defense, and there was still some decent pressure coming from guys that not necessarily always going to be top-of-mind premier pass rushers. Kingsley Kiki had five. Dean Lowry had five as well. Even the safety Darnell Savage had two. On the two on the only two times he actually blitzed in this game, he was able to get some pressure on them. And so it was, it was a challenge for this Bears offensive line. And I do think... They had played better for the most part earlier in the season. I don't think the removal of Jason Peters caused Whitehair and Daniels and Borum to all play worse. And I, I don't know that there's necessarily evidence to say they're going to be terrible from here on out. I mean, they, they had a bad game and that, that happens, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to keep happening in that same way. But it does, I think, lighten up a little bit of what Fields was able to do, or at least take some of that feeling away of like, he did a lot in, in the face of a lot of adversity in that game, plus the ribs being hurt and, and everything else kind of going against him. So there was a lot against him, and he was still able to have a, a pretty darn reasonably good rookie performance, all things considered there. So that's that's a, an area we should expect the Bears offensive line to play better against the Vikings and, and the rest of the schedule here moving forward, but we'll, we'll definitely be watching closely. Definitely going to be watching closely on how this Bears secondary continues to sort of grow and respond, especially somebody like... Jalen Johnson, who seemed like did a pretty good job against Devontae Adams, all things considered. We'll kind of check in on what the Packers may have done to try and free Adams up a little bit more in that second half. And this weird disagreement between what Jalen Johnson said and what Matt Nagy said about what the Packers did next on Locked On Bears. Today's episode of Locked On Bears brought to you by our friends at Stance. Stance is the makers of mostly socks, but underwear, shirts, hoodies, they make the most comfortable socks. So, I mean, they're, they're not only do they feel good on your feet, but they look cool too. There's the look cool, cool too. Wow. That was just tough for me to get my words out there, but it's, it's well-made, it's soft and it's unique. It, it, it's able to help you sort of express your style a little bit more, whether you're purchasing it for yourself or you know, if you're looking for that that last-minute holiday gift, Stance is going to be a place where you can find, again, something to help someone else express themselves a little bit more. Not only is there just like cool designs and different ways you can sort of have, you know, apparel that speaks to you, but then they also have some branded merchandise. I saw they have Elf Socks, Wu-Tang Clan, Marvel, Disney, The Goonies, Star Wars, The Office, Harry Potter. I mean, they've got some of those great licensing opportunities to get you socks, underwear, shirts, hoodies, clothes that match 
what you love. And I think when you're able to combine that appearance with that feel of that comfort, that's what makes a, a place like Stance and Stance.com worth your while and definitely worth taking a look at. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than just fitting in and that those who feel good do good. So go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Just use our promo code locked on at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life, a life less ordinary with stance. It wasn't an ordinary matchup for Jalen Johnson following Devonte Adams around quite a bit and matching up with him one-on-one -on -one against one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And like all things considered, it, it was not, he did really well for, for the, at least in the first half At the second half, they were able to do more to get Jalen or to get Devonte Adams going and sometimes getting him matched up on not just Jalen Johnson. And as you look at the sort of the one-on-one -on -one coverage stats, you know, Jalen gave up a handful of catches there for a handful of yards. And then the touchdown at the end, I mean, the, the one in the end zone, you know, where uh, Devonte Adams, faked the fade and then had the slant. I mean, that's rough on Johnson, but he won some of those one-on-one -on -one matchups too. And it was interesting to sort of see this disagreement debate unfold about, okay, this idea of halftime adjustments, where it felt like the Packers did a really good job of uh, coming out in the second half differently than they had in the first half. Everything clicked for them in the second half. And of course, the Bears sort of also came out in the second half differently, but in the negative, as opposed to the Packers doing so in the positive. And it led to different answers from Matt Nagy and Jalen Johnson about this sort of thing. So let's go sort of chronologically here. Here's what Jalen Johnson said first after Sunday's game against the Packers about, you, you can't really hear, you, you, don't, you don't get to hear the question at the beginning, but it's like what about, you know, what the Packers did with Devontae Adams to try and free him up against Jalen Johnson. And then I think he's asked after that something about, you know, what is it like to see that when the other team is intentionally doing things to take their wide receiver away from you in coverage? Very difficult. I mean, they made good adjustments at halftime. Um, whatever it is that they changed, I mean, it worked for them, and we didn't really have an answer. The run game got established, and then, I mean, they just made adjustments in the pass game. I mean, shit, they did have a job. A lot of motions, a lot of drag routes, underneath routes, a lot of pick routes. I mean, they, they switched it up pretty good, so, I mean, I did a lot of things to make covering him very hard. Oh, I mean, it's a beauty to see. I mean, but you hate playing against it. But I mean, just being able to see Rodgers and um, just their head coach be able to draw things up like that and make those type of adjustments. Um, I mean, it's good for them. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's very hard to stop once they find out what's going on and they make adjustments and I mean, it starts working. I'm always hesitant of, of reading too much in between the lines. So I always sort of give that disclaimer before we start trying to extrapolate the things Jalen Johnson didn't say as opposed to the things he did say, but the way he talks about halftime adjustments there, right? It's like, it's hard to stop when they make halftime adjustments, and it's a beautiful thing to see. It's I hate playing against it, but it is, it's a beautiful thing to see when the other team makes halftime adjustments, and there's a certain mis something missing there about his own team maybe struggling to make halftime adjustments there. Not that he's in any way intentionally trying to call out his team or his coaching staff on purpose, but you just sort of feel there's something there where it's like, ah, yeah, you know, the Packers, they came out in the second half and did stuff different, and we we couldn't stop it. We we didn't have halftime. He didn't say we didn't have halftime adjustments, but it felt like that's sort of part of maybe what he was even unintentionally applying about what happened there in the second half for the Chicago Bears. 
But Matt Nagy was then asked about, you know, about Devontae Adams and what the Packers were able to do in that second half to free him up and make things, you know, help help him be more productive in that second half than he was in the first half. And, and Matt Nagy had a very different answer than what Jalen Johnson had said the day before. I would say that with all due respect, the, the first the, that comment of moving him around and doing they, they did the same thing they did the first half. So there's no in the slot, out of the slot, backside here, backside there. He has seven catches in the second half. Um, he had three catches in the first half, and they did a lot of the same stuff. Uh, they, they moved him around on third down, which is very normal in the NFL. You move around your one of your guys to, to get open and, and stuff. So um, that part there, I think, is uh, that's that's football. You know what I mean? Is 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 that's football. So Matt Nagy was not like specifically saying like Jalen Johnson was wrong, but he was asked essentially the same question as Jalen Johnson and said a very different thing about well not and I'm I'm willing to sort of I'm I'm willing to sort of see both sides of this. Like I I try and be as like I, I try and be as like devil's advocate as I can here and, and give Matt Nagy some benefit of the doubt here of like, okay, well like what why why would he disagree with his his own player? In that way, is there some explanation here that we're missing? Right, it's easy to come on and say, "Oh, what an idiot! He's he's disagreeing with his player. Is he t- saying his players wrong and getting all outraged about like that?" But maybe I, I think honestly, after four years of this, I, I'm starting to wonder if like Matt Nagy's just not a very good communicator. That like maybe maybe what he's trying is like maybe he's not trying to say that like the Packers. It's not as though the Packers didn't do anything different from the second half to the first half, but just that like. Everything they, there was nothing brand new in the second half, right? So, so that like they didn't come out and run a new offense for Devontae Adams. They did things they had done all season with Devontae Adams, but maybe that doesn't mean they weren't different from the first half to the second half, which would still be a problem of Matt Nagy being a poor communicator, which is a difficult part of the head coach. But like that's the only other explanation I can sort of come up with as to like why Jalen Johnson would feel like he saw these different adjustments for Devontae Adams and Matt Nagy would feel like he didn't see. Those adjustments. And I, I guess I will say, too, that, like, Johnson said that immediately after the game. Nagy made his comments after watching the tape. And it still also doesn't answer the question as to, like, why were why was Devonta Adams catching seven passes in the second half? Whether they did something different or not, why weren't you able to stop it? It's worse that you weren't able to stop it in the second half if it was the same things they were doing in the first half. Like, if they changed nothing and it worked in the second half, that looks even worse for you. At least... I mean, I, I think, I mean, at least like if they if they made some halftime adjustment that you couldn't stop, at least you can kind of say, oh, well, we had it figured out in the first half or whatever, and we just couldn't, we couldn't keep up. But this, the way Nagy points, paints it, it's like, oh, well, it had, there wasn't really a halftime adjustment there. And maybe that's to deflect from his own lack of halftime adjustments. I I don't know what it is, but it's a, a weird, a weird disagreement there. Not even a direct disagreement, but just a, a coach and a player on different pages about, what the other team was doing. Is that the end of the world? Is that a huge deal for this for the Bears? No, but it's just another sort of thing on this list of like weird Matt Nagy things. And it's just I don't know, it's it's part of the frustration, right? I mean it was frustrating that they couldn't stop Devontae Adams in the second half. And he's right in the sense that like in the second half it wasn't anything brand new. They've always done that with Devontae Adams. They move him around a lot and they get him on those matchups. And it's what makes LaFleur a pretty darn good play caller and head coach for the Green Bay Packers is that Adams is their only receiver that has any sort of production this season. And every team knows it. 
and no one's able to stop it. So I'm not going to kill the Bears for not being able to stop Devontae Adams for four quarters when no team has really been able to consistently do that this season. There's no magic formula to doing that. The Packers, generally speaking, always find a way to get Devontae Adams going and get the ball in his hands, and that's really what their offense flows through. And it is a credit to the Packers, and and so it's you know it's not a unique struggle for the Chicago Bears. It's just that difference, that direct contrast between player and coach was something that just kind of added to the the Matt Nagy list as this season starts to wind down. But hey, that's what the Lockdown Bears podcast is here for. Even when the team is losing and in disagreement, hopefully we're here to, to bring you up a little bit or at least give you a, a little deeper understanding of what your Chicago Bears are up to and what we're seeing on the field on Sundays and hearing from the players and coaches in between those games on Sunday. So I hope you'll subscribe to the Locked On Bears podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. If you're looking for your second listen, now that we're winding down here, how about Locked On Vikings? Get an advanced scouting report on your Bears opponent this week will be joined by Luke Braun from Lockdown Vikings for crossover Thursday. So hope you'll tune back in for that game plan podcast on Friday. And like you said, we're, we're sort of in the rhythm of the regular season now. As we get wind closer to the end of the season, we might start taking a look at potential future head coaching candidates here in the coming weeks, sort of waiting for the team to be more formally eliminated and really feel like, yeah, that change is is coming sooner rather than later. But we're definitely keeping a close eye out there. So thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for following along. And I hope Lockdown Bears podcast, once again, makes it that much easier for you to bear down.